0: See you. Glad you guys are here. Welcome. Welcome to the porch. Hey, we're going to jump right into uh, today's message. So, we are in this series called Eight Traits. Uh, we're talking about eight traits of a disciple that we find in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. So, this whole series, eight week series, looking at eight traits uh, from the book of Acts. And so, that's where we're going to be today in chapter two again. It's where we were last week as well. So, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn. Acts chapter 2. If not, it'll be on the screen. Um, what we what we said last week was, hey, if we're going to spend eight weeks talking about what is it, uh, what are some traits of a disciple, it'd be really good to start with a baseline kind of definition for what do we mean when we say disciple. And so we wanted to make it very simple. We want this to be something that we could remember and that, that's very practical. And so we said that a disciple of Jesus is someone who listens and who learns and then they act, listens, learns, and acts. And and I love the fact that um, in our porch kids that they're learning this. And so, uh, you know, my Mallory a couple weeks ago I said, "Hey, what do you what'd you guys talk about today?" And she goes, "Oh, well, a disciple listens, learns, and acts." And I'm like, "Oh wow, you really you really do hear. I didn't know that. I wasn't sure." Um, but so, but it's we it's basic, but it's it's powerful. And if we put it into practice, wow. We're, we're going to see the power of this this morning. So a little bit of, uh, I didn't give you uh, any historical context last week. I just want to give you a brief little bit on the book of Acts this morning. Um, the book of Acts, what it does is it tells the story of the early church. It's the birth of the church. Everything's beginning. Jesus has died. Uh, he, he was tortured. He, he, w- he was crucified, died. He was buried. Three days again, he rose. He reappeared. He spent about 40 days in different times appearing and spending time with his disciples and other people. And then he ascended into heaven, as he said he would, as he always said he would. But before he left, he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to help you to understand all the things that you've heard me teach and to give you power to do uh, many of the things that I've done. And so this is the, the beginning of this happening. This is when the Holy Spirit has come, and um now a couple of things to know about this there's this acts tells there's this story it's it, it is this time of transition right there's change there's happening going on and there's events that have gone on that are happening right in this moment that we're reading and there were old testament prophets who actually talked about this but for many people didn't seem to make the connection. Like, it had been prophesied that some of the things that were happening in Acts, it had been prophesied they were going to happen, but even some, like, major, like, Jewish, like, super smart people were like, they weren't making the connection. And so and this is where we are in the book of Acts. And so when you think about, now, now obviously, this is kind of a no dub, but I'm going to mention it anyway. There wasn't a New Testament at this time, Okay. They were living the New Testament. Many of the people that were experiencing what was happening in Acts chapter 2 actually became many of the writers of the New Testament. So they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Torah, right? They had the the works of the prophets. They had the Psalms and the Proverbs. And, And now they are starting to have the firsthand accounts of the disciples, like people who were really there. Like this wasn't second and third hand information. They were hearing from people. People were getting up and preaching and teaching in public places who had been with Jesus. And this is the the context that we read, what we read today in Acts chapter 2. Last week we said that the first trait of a disciple is someone who is communal. They're in community. They make a priority to be in community. Wonderful response to community groups. Being in serve teams and serving the community. Um, if you weren't here, or that's something you're interested in, you're still thinking about it. You can go online and click on community groups um, or connect, and we'll let you know more about that. Um, but today, the trait that we want to focus in on is the second trait of a disciple: is that a disciple will be biblical. A disciple will be biblical. Okay. Um, you kind of go. You kind of yeah, of course, but. Let's, let's walk through this today and see the power of a disciple being biblical because it, it makes a huge difference, like huge, huge difference because of one disciple that we look at who was biblical. Um, so the preaching of Jesus' life, of his death and resurrection, we call the good news, the gospel. Um, there's a Greek word for that, and, it's, and it means preach the gospel, and it's this word... Evangelizo, evangelizo, and you see where we get our word evangelize, right? I mean, it's it's obvious, and I think that's interesting, and it's just kind of a little side note I want to make, because as before, I was a Christian, and then definitely as a Christian, when I've heard the word evangelize, for some reason in my head, I think that means I've got to like give you the you know however many points I need to give you on who Jesus is. And then I need to stand there with you while you pray and you you know, pray the prayer so that now you're a Christian. It's like I've got to be there. And, and that's not really what evangelizing means. It means to share the good news. Now, that may have happened to you. Someone may have shared the good news, and in that moment you received, or it might have been over a series of time and a series of conversations where someone was sharing the gospel, you Angelizo, and then through that experience over a period of time, you were like, Yes. I mean, that's how that happened with me. So I just say that as a side note because for some reason we hear the word evangelize and sometimes we get, I don't know, kind of icky about it, and we shouldn't because if we're a disciple of Jesus, we're biblical, and we should have the good news to share, all right? So um, about a third of the book of Acts, a third of the book of Acts consists of someone getting up and teaching, preaching, speaking to a crowd of people, and declaring the good news, Juan Jalizo. About a third of the book is about someone declaring this. All right, And, and that's important to note because what do they have to say? I don't know. Yeah, sorry. So here we are in Acts chapter 2. Um, one other thing I want to say before I read it. The first time I read this passage as a believer, I hadn't read it before, so first time I ever read it and it was after I'd read through the gospels, it absolutely floored me to read this because it was like the truth encapsulated. And then to read how the people that were being spoken to in this passage, how they responded, I was like, Oh yes, I get it. I mean, it just it it just seemed so odd to me that it that it was just, here it was, like in this neat presentation. And, and it was truth, and it was real, and it was powerful. So in Acts chapter 2, we find Peter, and he's proclaiming this this really bold, powerful, to-the-point, difficult yet beautiful presentation of the gospel to a really large crowd, thousands and thousands of people. And some of the people in the crowd that, that Peter is about to talk to that we're going to read about. Think about this. He's in Jerusalem. Some of those people were culpable in the arrest and the torture and the crucifixion of Jesus. Some of them were there. They might have just been bystanders or they might have been yelling, you know, give us Barabbas. You know, we don't want Jesus. Leave him. Do whatever you want to do with him. But like, they were there. Like, these were people who were part of this strange dichotomy of. Now, here's really good news, but yet you were part of part of the deal. <laughs> so, in, in verses 1 through 13, and we're not going to read that, but you need to know what happened there. You can go and read it later. We're just for time's sake, we can't. But the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised has now been poured out upon the disciples. Things like, you know, flaming tongues were seen upon their heads, and they began to speak in languages that they themselves did not know, but people that spoke the other <laughs> language knew, and and they spoke it as well, so they could understand what was being said. This was a miracle. This was this was not normal. This doesn't normally happen. This had never happened before, and yet it, these were these signs and wonders that were going on. And some people, probably some of the ones who were culpable in the arrest and you know torture and crucifixion. Their response to the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit of God coming was, ah, they're just drunk. That was their response. (laughs) They're just drunk. Now, what we don't see between verse 13 and verse 14 is, is what's going on in Peter's mind. But if you do a little study of Peter, you know that Peter, he can get fired up and he can he can get you know he he'll he'll speak his mind sometimes he'll speak his mind before maybe his heart's caught up to his mind and and sometimes this goes on and so you, we don't know exactly but peter he stood up to respond to the false accusations that all these signs and wonders were just oh they've been drinking and so we pick up in verse 14 of acts chapter 2 it says then peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles so he's got he's not alone like he's with his people and he shouted to the crowd listen carefully all of you fellow jews which is important we're going to note that in a moment so he's speaking to people who know the prophets who know the torah who know the psalms and and the proverbs and those things he says fellow jews and residents of jerusalem make no mistake about this these people are not drunk As some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. It always makes me chuckle. Verse 16, he says, no, uh uh-uh, no. Can you just, I mean, Peter's just like, uh, no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Now, if you're just a resident in Jerusalem and you're not a Jewish person, maybe you've never heard of Joel. But a large portion of this audience that Peter's speaking to were Jewish people. Jewish people, Jewish men, they didn't go to elementary school like we did. They didn't go to middle school. They didn't go to high school. If they went to school, which most of them did, they went to school to study the Torah and the prophets, the Psalms, and the Proverbs. They knew what you and I call the Old Testament. They knew it. And Peter is standing up, and he's saying, hey, let's talk about what Joel said. So a majority of the audience is like, oh, you're talking about Joel? Wow, I thought we were talking about these drunk guys. And he's like, no, no, here we go. Verse 17, so this is Peter quoting the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, which is exactly what was going on he says your sons and daughters will prophesy they will that's speaking the word of god boldly like speaking the truth of god's word he says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams jump down to verse 21 then peter says everyone who calls on the name of the lord which is also very important we'll talk about that in a moment everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved so peter is quoting joel chapter 2 guess what that means He's being biblical. He has an answer for people going, I don't know if that's God or not. He's being biblical. He's sharing with them the scriptures that they know, the scriptures that were available to them at that time. He's explaining to other people, this is what God is doing, what these phenomena are all about, all that has just happened. This He's being biblical. He's using the scriptures. And notice what he says in verse 16. What you see was predicted by Joel he's connecting the what you and I call the old testament they didn't call it the old testament yet because they didn't have a new testament but that's what we call it but he is connecting the old testament right god's word that the jewish faithful knew and that they believed and he is connecting it to what god was doing right there in that moment and that's that's powerful to know it's being biblical and so here's peter and he's a disciple, it's biblical, and he has an understanding of what's happening in his time. He's able to because he has this understanding, he's able to boldly explain to thousands of people what God is doing. That's evangelizo. He's like sharing the good news and he's connecting dots that other people weren't connecting. So here's the other thing I want to note. I said the word Lord. is. I want to talk about it just for a moment in verse 21 when he says, when everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Now, what's significant about that is in most of our scriptures, when we see the word Lord, it is written like that. Like, I didn't ask the, the tech team to make that, you know, all capitals. Like, it's written that way for a reason because that word Lord that's in our english version right when it was written in the original languages which it, it can be translated as either jehovah or as yahweh but it meant the lord god like the lord god the holy one the covenant maker the creator of the world god and it is a holy it is a it's a word you didn't say like you didn't just throw it out there 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 you didn't didn't do the you know OMG, like you don't that would never ever 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 happen. This this word is so revered, it's divine, it's holy. To the point that when scribes would obviously there's no printing press going on, so in order for the word to be continued and to go out and for people to to know it and and learn it, scribes would write, they would sit there and write the entire and the prophets and and all these things and when they came to write the word Yahweh or Jehovah they would whatever pen they were using they would stop and they would have to clean it thoroughly it was like a, a quill you know a feather thing and they would have to clean it thoroughly and then they would have to go and disrobe and bathe completely before they could come and write down, copy down the word, Yahweh. Then they could keep writing. But even if it was like in a paragraph, if if Yahweh was mentioned three or four times, each time they would have to stop and clean their pen and then go and get clean themselves before they could write the word again. This is how much this word is revered and lifted up. It was so holy. And so when Peter quotes The prophet Joel, and everyone knows who Joel is and what he had done, and what he had prophesied in the name of the Lord, now says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Yahweh will be saved. He again is connecting these dots. You're going to see this come in just a minute where he's saying, all right, we're talking about Yahweh here. And, And the majority of the audience knows who Yahweh is. So we have the Lord Jehovah from the Old Testament, the, that Yahweh, the covenant Lord of the Old Testament, and Peter is connecting the audience. Why, Why is he able to do this? Because he's biblical. He knows Scripture. He's able to, to stand and he's able to speak on behalf of when people are saying, ah, those people are just weirdos. Ah, no, they're just drunk. No, they've been out partying all night, whatever. He's like, no, 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 no. And he's biblical, and he presents the gospel. In verse 22, he says, people of Israel, so that's the majority of his audience, right? Listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene. That's how he was often referred to. Well, he was from Nazareth, so he's Jesus the Nazarene. But here's, here's Peter connecting these dots. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles. Remember his baptism? Right? When the dove came down and people heard the voice of God saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Like, that's a miracle. Wonders and signs through him. This is what Peter's declaring. As you well know, it, it was recorded. People knew this. This is why they followed Jesus everywhere. But God knew what would happen. This is Peter talking. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of the lawless Gentiles. But he, he's speaking to the Jewish audience as well. He says to the Jewish people, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. See, that was a sticking point, that whole resurrection thing. Was it real or not? Peter's declaring, yes, it was. For death could not keep him in its grip. I love that phrase. Death couldn't keep him in its grip. He's God. Verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead. Now if this is an open thing for like debate, he's he's already pointed out, look at these other signs and wonders. look at these other signs and miracles. You've heard about them. There are many of you here that have seen them. Jesus was around for about 40 days after he had risen. People had put their eyes on him, had touched him, had seen him, had shared meals with him. He's like, this is this is like fact people. This is what he's declaring to them. So the, he, but he's sharing truth. He's sharing truth. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witness to, witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, which is where he said he was going to go. He's at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, now. Anytime you talk about God making a promise, again, the Jewish people get this. They are, these are covenant people. These are people who God had made promises with, and he kept them over and over and over again. Even when they failed, he kept the promise. So when you mention God and promise, they get it. And he says, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, which is why everyone was wondering what was going on. What's happening? How are all these people able to speak in all these languages? What in the world is going on? How are signs and wonders happening? And Peter's saying, because God said it was going to happen. Jesus said it was going to happen. Just as you see and hear today, this is going on. Now, I want to do this real quick, because Peter doesn't just quote Joel. He also, also, because he's biblical, he talks about, he, he quotes King David, who is very revered the Jewish faith highly honored and Peter quotes him in verse 34 by and so this is again this is Peter quoting King David the Lord he's for David himself he never ascended into heaven so any hope you thought David was the Messiah everyone you just you know he didn't his bones are buried right near where they were actually talking that was well known his bones were buried near there David didn't ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, Yeshua, talking about Jesus, we'll talk about that in a moment, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. David talked about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. So, Peter, what he's doing is he's weaving this connection from the Lord God Yahweh through the prophet Joel through King David to the Lord Yeshua, Jesus. He's biblical, he's a disciple of Jesus, and he knows the scriptures. He has an answer. So, he says this in verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, so no doubts, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Very important to note. Lord, the Hebrew word for Lord, Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean? God the Father, the God creator God, Yahweh. That's what he says. He's most Lord, Yahweh, and he's Messiah. The Hebrew word for Messiah, that Yahuashu, or you get, we got a word Yeshua or Joshua. All of them mean the same thing. The God that saves. So Peter is saying to the Jewish people, Yahweh and Yeshua. They're together. They're the same. He's connected dots that many were not connected. And he's doing it through Scripture. And this is the result, verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Pierced their hearts. I remember the first time I read that, I was like, yeah, I understand that. Because I I felt like just in, in those few couple of months that I had had that heart piercing as I read God's Word. It pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? It caused a response. What should we do? I mean, we're guilty. We didn't connect the dots. Some of us are culpable to all this that went on. Some of us have been denying Jesus. Some of us, I mean, some of us just didn't care. We've just been kind of following along and watching, but really we haven't. But now they are pierced in their heart, and they're wondering what should they do about this information, this scriptural truth. Peter replied in verse thirty-eight. Each of you, he's talking to thousands of people, right? Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Evangelizo, you see it here? He's preaching the good news. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to bring a dove or a lamb or come make a sacrifice. Repent and be forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that you're seeing happening right now God will work through you the way he's working through these others and then he says in verse 39 this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away and in case you're wondering that includes you and me today we are those far away it wasn't a hell. A, aren't you guys lucky? You're the only ones here today who get to hear this truth and receive this truth and repent and have your sins forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit, and that's it, and it's done, and that's all God's going to do. But no, 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 this promise is to your children and to those far away. It's because of evangelisa like that, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news. He says, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Lord, our God, Yahweh. So Peter says, repent. Peter says, repent. Turn to God. Ha- receive that forgiveness of your sin. A- and the response to hearing and receiving that gospel, which you and I have, you and I have this whole thing now in our Bibles. We have it there. And it's like the same message for them as to us, As we repent. Peter said this to the audience, and it's still true for us today, repent, change our attitude, change our stance, change the direction we're going in, change our understanding or realization of who God is, of who Jesus Christ is, of what the Holy Spirit does, all of these things to change our understanding about sin and forgiveness and what that requires, that we repent and we turn to God. And it is the great theme of the New Testament. Jesus came declaring, repent. Repent. So here's Peter, once again, being biblical this is what Jesus said, so I'm going to say it too and here's the result of that verse 41 those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all usually we know those numbers are bigger than that because they would count the men Peter was biblical He used Joel chapter 2, he used Psalm 110, he talks about the prophet, he talks about King David, and he used it biblically to share the gospel of Jesus. So friends, a trait of a disciple is to be biblical. I told you, um, as the band comes back out, I I told you last week, one of the things we want to do to equip, and for us to act, that's why it's called the book of Acts, right? is that we want to offer you guys action steps every week, something to think about, something to work on, something to consider. Last week it was consider a community group, consider being on a serve team, and you responded greatly to that. And again, I said the, the, that opportunity is still open. Today's action step for you. And uh, this, this would go to wh- whether you're reading anything right now in the Bible, whether you're doing a study or, or whatever you're doing. I, I offer this to everyone i think it'd be good because of the series we're in is what we're offering to you as, as a challenge opportunity is how about since a disciple is biblical that we all start to read the book of acts we read the book of acts so that's your action step this week so i give it to you and i hope that you will use it and that that god will use as we want to be people who are biblical Let's pray together God thank you for your word Thank you for its power Thank you for its promise Thank you for how it is used to pierce us to our heart And though that sounds like kind of a rough thing Kind of a, a painful thing The reality is Oh my goodness it is it is beautiful Sometimes we need Our heart to be pierced Sometimes we need our mind to be to be shaken Out of whatever rut it's in That's that's made us think that that there's Nothing really matters and nothing's really connected and I can do whatever I want. There's really, you know, this is just how life's going to be. But the reality is, is you call us to something greater. You call us to something bigger. You call us to a life that that we could never design on our own. You call us to a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. You promised it to us through Jesus. And that Holy Spirit then allows us to to see other people differently, to, to speak your word with boldness, to, to understand Scripture where maybe we, we never could before. And we want, I want and I want for our church to be people who are biblical, that we see your word, that we desire your word, we crave your word. And because of that, we are able to share it. Not only do we grow like individually, like from within ourselves, As we read your word, but then we have an answer for when people want to give a really lame reason for why you're doing something miraculous, we're able to say, um, no, 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 this is a work of God. And I know it because this is what his word says. Yahweh, God, thank you. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for how you work in our lives. We thank you that we get to be part of your work in the world. Lord, would you bless the offerings that we give. Remind us of the offerings that we make. May they be used for your glory. In this time, now together, our voices are offering to you.